This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. over and the week is just about over for some of us you know what that means that means this is your opportunity to be heard uh, this is your opportunity to ask questions about just about anything the other side of midnight proudly presents ask frank ask frank anything ask frank anything ask frank anything but before you get your opportunity to ask questions at 800-848-9222, I have a question of my own for my colleague, veteran broadcast journalist and radio talk show host, uh, Dominic Carter, because Dominic, as it stands now, I was just in the kitchen refilling my water bottle. There is a plated, with no name, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and... <laughs> I can't tell if somebody made that and, you know, it's one of the guys here and they just left it there for a few minutes or if that's up for grabs now. That's not yours, right? It's not mine. Okay, what do you make of that? Is that up for grabs? I didn't even notice it was there. Well, because what they did, very clever, and this is why you have to know how to look, is they put another paper plate on top of the sandwich to kind of camouflage it. So, um... There's still no name, though. It's still no name. And you're telling me you may eat this. Well, depending in, on the guidance that you're about to give me, uh, I, I, that's a I, possibility. Uh, Mr. Morano, uh, as a, uh, a national talk show host, I would not, if I were you in your place, I would not eat something. Don't look at me like that. I would not eat something <laughs> that that, that, is, that does not belong to me. Uh, fair Sometimes enough. I don't want to e- even eat my food that's properly <laughs> labeled because I'm like, what, what did somebody put in this? Fair enough. Hey, I want to welcome once again uh, all of our listeners listening on WCCO in Minneapolis. It's a great radio station, wonderful 50,000-watt flamethrower all over the Midwest. And just so happens, a close friend of mine, when she lived in New York, she's from Minnesota originally, she moved back to the, the what they call the Minneapolis, the Minneapolis area yesterday, happened to hear me on the radio, and, and uh, Jennifer is her name, Jennifer was kind enough to leave me this message, officially welcoming me to the city of Minneapolis. Morano, my first friend in New York, it's your favorite Minnesotan, Jennifer. I heard that you're now on WCCO, and I'm thrilled while there are many things I miss about New York City, the energy, the pizza, just strolling through Central Park, honestly, some of my fondest memories are listening to your wildly interesting shows and talks on the radio. So I'm very happy to be able to do that again. The online listening experience is just not the same as the good old-fashioned terrestrial radio. Am I right? Oh, my God. Am I old? Anyway... I wanted to be the first to welcome to you to the mini Apple. WCCO and the Twin Cities are lucky to have you. You're going to need a few pointers to get started here, though. To begin with, and I know we have heavily debated this, 
one day at a barbecue at your parents' house. It's duck, duck, gray duck. End of story. I don't want to hear it. And neither do the rest of the Minnesotans. Anyways, um, secondly, boo on the Yankees. The Minnesota Twins have been breaking our hearts since 91, but we love our boys. And challenge your New York institutions to build a better team on the same budget. It can't be done. Also, there are words and things you're just not going to understand. Text me when you need pointers or translations. Oop, welp, oh gosh, geez, and others are going to need to be incorporated into your vocabulary. And you know what? Lastly, and actually, maybe since you're from New York and you're a little bit more objective and partial, perhaps you can help us settle the long-term and polarizing debate about who invented the infamous Juicy Lucy burger. Matt's Bar or the 5-8 Club? Something to talk about on your show, perhaps. Frankie, we are so excited to have you. The audience is going to love you out here as much as they do in Baltimore, Detroit, Memphis, New York, and everywhere else. Selfishly, I'm glad that I'm going to be able to go to bed with you every night. Something you were never able to pull off when you were single, much to your chagrin. <laughs> but after all... Minnesota Nice has its limits, buddy. Miss you. Welcome to Minnesota. Call me when you need me. Take care. That's very kind. Thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate the uh, welcome. We miss you here in New York now, as well. I, I have a question. Yes, I'm ready. Uh, two points here. One, she had me until she started hating on the New York Yankees. <laughs> Create a similar team with the same budget. That's called hating on New York. Two, please tell me wife Rachel was asleep right now. Oh, I believe so. I hope so. I mean, I, I, it, I really, really oh, but hope she's so. good friends with Jennifer. I, I was telling, you know, um, I was telling Jennifer that, you know, and you know this, like once you once you become a parent, you have so little time and so little energy. <laughs> you go from being jealous about everything to uh, almost welcoming somebody else is willing to pay attention <laughs> to you for, for a couple hours. <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. No, you're a thousand percent correct. But I do want to say this to you. You do know I'm still really pissed off about the migrant attack on the police officers and now they're saying that four of them may be uh, uh, on a bus or a flight to California right. or back to Mexico or wherever they're from. And it, it's just horrible and, and you know we have district attorneys, these progressive district attorneys. How do you get out of jail? And and it's on video where you just literally kick the police officer in the head. You, you got me. I mean, I, I saw at least one of these folks, and I was listening to uh, one of the police chiefs say that they're going to find all the folks responsible in this video. One of these folks is, uh, uh, they did at least get a $50,000 bail. So it is possible for some people to get bail, in even in Manhattan. I, I think it's crazy. I think all these people, as soon as they're rounded up, ought to be deported pronto. Immediately. Ex post facto, absolutely. Like gone well, like right now. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, forthwith, I guess, is the Latin so, phrase. So, you know, your for. Friday shows are the ones that always get me very nervous. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, you and me both. Because you take, and it, look at all these calls you have lined up here. Yeah, and if the Minnesotans are, who are new to this, this, their first time hearing this, don't get what this is, this is your opportunity to not be beholden to a topic that I've come up with, but to ask a question about something that you're interested interested in and I'll do my best in answering it. So before you throw me out the door to continue your show, I, I do have one question for I'm you. ready. Okay. Now I have again I I, I almost uh hit Bambi 
uh, driving on the Palisades <laughs> Parkway uh, in New York State back back home when someone asked you what type of underwear you wear and you answered. <laughs> and I, 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 I still... I mean, I isn't that like personal and private? It is, but you know what? I, I, there's some to me. What makes live radio so much fun is that it's a little bit dangerous. That you really are afraid to turn off the radio because you never know what's going to happen next. And in this hour, not only do the listeners not know what's going to happen next, I don't even know what's going to happen next. That's a good point. So here, here is my question, and and this is a serious question, mm-hmm. right? I see one of the questions online too. Uh, is somewhat, they want to talk about makeover shows, and it's sort of like where where I'm going with this. Because uh, we're we're both on the radio, you're doing extremely well, you know, national and so on, but here's the question I have, and I think about this a lot, and I know what my answer is, but I want to hear your answer. Mm -hmm. If you could do it all over again, what would you do and what would you do differently? In life? Period. Wow. I'm just going to le- it, leave it up to you. Well, you know, this is actually something that I think about a great deal because I've gotten similar questions to this from time to, ha- to from time to time from uh, from listeners, and you know, my answer has changed a little bit because there are a lot of things that I've done that I wish that I hadn't done. Right, and sometimes in the moment, that's my uh, that's my answer. You know, when I was especially younger, uh, starting to get into media, starting to get into politics and other things, I would do a lot of things for attention that uh, that I wish I hadn't done, a lot of things that I really regret. Um, and I, so part of me thinks that I wish I hadn't done that, but then I think, you know, that kind of thing, it, it really did help make me part of who I am. One, I saw kind of the immaturity of doing those things, and I didn't do them later in life, or I try not to do them later in life. Also, even though, you know, my motivations were entirely selfish, at least I learned a little bit about how to write a press release, how to get reporters' attention, how to do these things, skills that have, you know, behooved me a little bit later. Then, I, you know, there, when I was 18, 19, 20, I would spend almost all of my, not just my free time, but all of my time on politics. And I have, from time to time, looked at a lot of that time, almost all of which is tedious, almost all of which is paperwork or going door to door, and thought, that's time wasted, that's time I wish I could get back. But then I think about all the relationships, including with you, uh, that I've been able to make through being involved in politics, and I think, who would I have not met? If I wasn't involved in politics, so uh, it wouldn't change that. And I do regret that I've never served in the military. Um, I Me think, too. We I, agree on so that. So maybe, maybe I should have gone and enlisted in the military when I was Which a younger branch? guy. Which branch? I think probably the the army. I'm not tough enough for the Marines, or I don't necessarily have the. I don't trust myself to fly anything in the Air Force, and <laughs> I, I, I don't love boats enough for the Navy. Okay, so the army. But then I what, was thinking, what job in the military? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe something in communication. But then I'm thinking, well, you know, if I did that, I might have gone to Afghanistan and gotten killed and I wouldn't be here. So, wait, you wouldn't want to be like, what do they call special forces in the Army? No, they no, call no, no. It, um, I'm a. I'm a well, what's the term? Army Ranger. Right, no. You I, wouldn't I want to be a Ranger? Uh, no, I don't think I'm uh, Army Army Ranger caliber. But um, so I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe even though I do think that would have been a positive character development for me, I wouldn't do that because you don't know what would have happened. So, what I've ultimately come up with 
is the only real regret that I have is, you know, I had a lot of older relatives that I was uh, close with. My grandmother, my Uncle Carmine, my maternal grandfather, my Uncle Caesar. And I knew them, especially my, uh, you know, uh, my grandmother, Michael Caesar, when they were old, into their 90s. And they were still very sharp into their 90s. And I had them on the radio once in a while for various topics. But I really regret never, while they were alive, sitting them down and interviewing both of them or all four of the people that I just mentioned for a good two or three hours about their lives because so much of the knowledge that they had not only about our family but about life it's just it's gone it's totally it's not recorded anywhere it's gone now I remember when we my brother Nick and I went out to San Diego for my uh, Uncle Caesar's 90th birthday he spent an hour with us going through this photo album explaining relatives that I'd never met that died before I was born and now because I didn't record that there's no one who can explain who those people are. You know, they're, they're not really labeled. They just existed in his head. So I really wish that I had taken the time, and maybe if people are listening, they can use this as something that they won't regret later on, to interview my older relatives, even if it's just an audio interview, about a wide variety of subjects. You know, it's funny, Frank, because uh, when I think about it, the one regret that I have, right? The one regret, and there's nothing I can do about it now, you know? So so I've noticed that, I don't know if you've noticed this, the older we get. It, when I was in my 20s, you know, I was I was ready to do anything. You want to jump off this cliff? Let's go. Right, right. You want to jump in Hawaii? Let's do this. You want to go uh, skydiving? You want to scuba dive? Let's do this. Now I'm like, I don't think so. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm not doing that. The one regret that I have, and there's nothing I can do about this, when I went to graduate school at uh, Syracuse University, the Newhouse School, one of the uh, elite communication Absolutely. schools. Best, one of the best in the country. One of the best in the country. And I was so excited to be in, you know, a kid that grew up in the projects mm-hmm. from New York City. And I was also accepted at the same time to the Syracuse University Law School. New York famed New York Senator uh, Al D'Amato uh, went there. Well, Biden, I, I, he had a, some type of relationship with Syracuse University Law School. I don't know what it was, but maybe I'm confusing it with Scranton, you know, where he was from. Right. It's only about a two-hour drive, maybe three hours, I should say. And so I could have done a dual program, ah. the master's program in journalism and law school. Ah, wow, interesting. But, Frank, but that, that's for really smart guys like you. <laughs> Not, no. not me. And so I chose to go the journalism route, and it worked out. But I will always regret, man, that I didn't go to law school. And now it's too late. And I really feel, Frank, I really feel, you're going to laugh, I really feel that I would have been better at the craft than Johnny Cochran. I, I don't doubt that. First of all, I don't know why you're ascribing these uh, artificial limitations to yourself, especially Good now point. with all online learning. You could absolutely still go to law no, school. No, I can't, absolutely I, can't can. go, I can't go online. I wouldn't do the work. Working, I mean, what are you working, an hour a day? I ba- I you got, 23, you got I ba- 23 hours. I barely do the work in Twitter person, and you want me to do it online? <laughs> Online, no, but I really do. Reg- I'm too old to do it now. I mean, you know. uh, you're not too old. You're not too old. I'll, uh, you never want to be a lawyer. You, you know, know, a lot of famous I, lawyers. I, I, um, I would like to practice law, but not go to law school. <laughs> You know, that's um. You know, well, I, I think I've always felt that, um, and and I I love talking to trial lawyers, especially criminal defense attorneys. They're some of my favorite people to talk to because they have such great stories. And I get really excited watching what goes on in the court. 
And um, but I think at this point there are just so many lawyers. I'm not sure that it's necessary for me to add to the lawyer population. I, I'm Frank, content to be here on but the Frank, radio. Morano and Carter, the term, I like the, the hey, firm of Morano. We would be paid. Maybe we can. Uh, maybe we can go to law school <laughs> together. It'd be like back to school. Rodney no, Dangerfield. No, it'd be like right? Animal House, the movie <laughs> Animal House. <laughs> totally. We'd be totally. rocking. Be I love it. Toga. I love it. See, you knew immediately let, what I was talking. Let's do it. Let's start. Let's start going over law school applications on Monday. Have a good weekend, my friend. Thank you, my friend. We'll continue with Ask Frank Anything straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Well, you know you make me wanna shout, kick my heels up and shout, throw my hands up and shout, throw my head back and shout. Come on now, don't forget to say you will. Don't forget to say yeah, yeah, yeah. Other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano, taking your questions on anything and everything. Uh, let me begin with Neil uh, on Staten Island. Hi, Neil. Hello, Frank. It's the year thirty-two sixteen point four, and the Federation is having a hard time getting recruits. So conscription is the word of the day. You can call up Frank, and you have. Three choices of duty stations. Number four, The first one is you could be number one for Captain Picard. The next choice is you could be number one for Captain Janeway. And the third choice is you'll be the yeoman for your idol, Captain Kirk. But a yeoman, even though it says yeoman, has to be a woman. So you would have to get a sex change operation to get that position. Which position would you choose? Well, Frank? obviously, I'm not doing that. I, I would say, um, <laughs> I, I would say, look, I think Picard's enterprise was one was run very well, and I think I could learn a lot from him about command and disp- diplomacy and a host of other issues. And look, there's a lot of opportunities to be in command uh, because a lot of times uh, Captain Picard gets involved in so many other things. So I think it would have been a great experience for me and my personal development. So given the choices you outlined under the circumstances in which you outlined them, I am picking uh, being Captain Picard's first officer. Thank you, Neil. 800-848-9222. Uh, let's say hello to Alex in Brooklyn. Hello, Alex. 
Hey, Frank, what do you do to make yourself happy when you're sad? And uh, just this uh, one small thing about every product is, has a seal, right? What do you think about the fact that shampoo bottles, it's the one product that doesn't have a seal? And, you know, that could be poison. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, and maybe this is because I use special shampoo for my scalp psoriasis, but my shampoo does have a seal. What kind of shampoo are you using that doesn't? Okay, so head and shoulders you, doesn't come with a seal. Really? It's not all sealed. You can open it. Yep, Pantene. Um, I think there are uh, many other companies. Well, I think most companies don't have a seal, and it doesn't even have like a small piece there protecting huh. it. You could literally open it in the grocery or in the store and pour something in, and nobody would know. Honestly, I um, I didn't know that, and I think that's actually a pretty big cause for concern. I will look into that a bit more, and um, yeah, I had no idea about that. I think that's what a big problem. What about happiness? Uh, as far as happiness goes, you know, I found that whatever my issues are, whether, uh, you know, I'm stressed or I, uh, you know, I, I am a pretty upbeat guy, but the, the only time that I find myself getting really depressed and down in the dumps and uh, kind of uh, self, um, you know, self-hating is when I'm, I'm very tired. So the best thing that, in my, my own case, what I try to do when I'm not feeling well uh, or in a bad emotional state is, and I know this may sound silly, but I, I take a nap. And I found that to be uh, very, very handy advice. A lot of people will say, um, oh, you have a drink. I don't think that's a good strategy. For me, and I don't know how it is for other people, but for me, alcohol sort of um, exacerbates whatever mood you're already in. So if you're happy and if you're having a good time, a little bit of alcohol can make you feel like you're having a better time. But if you're depressed and you're down and you're concerned about something, then I find the alcohol uh, can actually make things worse. So I, I would not... If you're kind of in a depressive mood, at least for me, I guess everybody's different. I would not. Um, I would not have a drink at all. I, I think drinking is something to be done more when you're celebrating something or happy about something. Then um, the other thing that I do quite regularly when I'm down or whether I'm, you know, j just kind of neutral. But I, in general, I'm a pretty happy guy. I uh, have tended to journal. Uh, I have uh, really made an effort this year to up my game in terms of exercise, in terms of reading, and in terms of journaling. And I do find that that's helpful. It helps you work through some thoughts, some frustrations that um, only you can really get. I mean, it's one thing to be able to talk to someone about it, and certainly that can help. But, you know, if you talk to someone about it, you have to fill them in on the whole backstory and the whole context of how you got to the point, uh, to that point. If you're kind of just working out where you are emotionally on a lot of these things, you don't have to do that if you're just journaling. And then um, in my case, and now that everybody has this luxury, but whenever I get to uh, spend time with my son and, uh, you know, play with him and have him smile, that makes whatever problem I have just... Um, go away. In fact, there have been times when uh, my wife is arguing with me about something. She'll yell at me and then, you know, she'll recognize that I'm upset about this uh, discussion that we've had. And then she'll say to Carmine, go ahead, go, go over and play with dad. You know, he needs you to lift his spirits. And he always does. He always does. It's foolproof. 800-848-9222. Pete is in Piscataway. It's that away. Hello, Pete. Uh, hi, Frank. Frank, do you think Angel Hernandez is the worst umpire in baseball? 
because he wants to be the bad guy, or is he, he's just that bad? <laughs> um, that's a good question. You know, the, I, I, I don't think there's any debate that Angel Hernandez is the worst umpire in baseball. I, I'm not sure if it's intentional, if he is trying to be the, um, you know, the, the bad guy. I can't imagine that's the case. I think he's just in, uh, that bad. I think he's incompetent, honestly. All right, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, I mean, I would hate to think he's tanking these calls on purpose just to be the villain. I don't think that's, you know, I, I would hope the guy has more honor than that. 800-848-9222. Joe is in the Queens. Hi, Joe. Hey, Frank. Two two questions. First is these makeover shows, the concept of a makeover. Uh, how do you look at that pros and cons for the individuals that, want to do something like that my second question is say your own behavior you know you're fully lucid not alcohol induced you're feeling good you got good sleep what could you do in a good way or a bad way that would either shock or surprise you and do you consider shock and surprise similar or dissimilar i'm not sure i understand the second part of your question Uh, what could i do that would shock myself Right, right. Huh. Um, well, so as far as the makeover shows, I don't have a strong opinion about them one way or another. I think uh, if people want to make a change in their outward appearance and they're looking for an opportunity to be on television and experiment with a new look, it strikes me as uh, a great opportunity to do all those things. I don't watch any of them. I've never seen any of them, but I know they're quite popular. So if the people involved in them are not being exploited, if they're in on the joke and people enjoy watching them, I say more power to them. As far as something I could do that would shock myself, huh? I um, I don't know. I would have to give that one some thought. I mean, uh, well, that know. make it just surprise, surprise. Surprise. I I really don't know. I mean, if it was something that I was doing myself, I'm not sure why I would. You know, I guess I could have a tendency, uh, less so these days, but I guess I could have a tendency once in a while to fly off the, the handle, especially when I was a younger guy. I could lose my temper uh, pretty easily and um, and go a little crazy. I, I, the instances where I do that are pretty rare these days, but I guess that you know that tendency is still somewhere within me. Uh, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Robert is in Suffolk. Hello, Robert. Hi, Frank. Uh, Britney Spears versus Taylor Swift. Who would you say sounds better? My vote's for Britney. She's got this great range and sultry voice. Uh, look, I think they're both great artists. I um, I think Taylor Swift probably has a better voice, but I like Britney Spears' music more. I don't know if um, the reason I like Britney Spears' music more is because there's some element of uh, overproduction or processing that's not as prevalent in uh, Taylor Swift's music, music but I, I have to think that Taylor Swift's music is probably processed and produced almost, or if not more, than uh, Britney Spears is. So I think... Um, 
my personal preference in terms of uh, who I like better, I like Britney Spears better. And, you know, just in terms of attractiveness, the fact that Britney Spears is a little crazy, you know, there's something pretty hot about that. And Taylor Swift, you get the sense, is pretty, has got a pretty good head on her shoulders and is pretty uh, sane and sober, which is a lot less alluring. 800-848-9222. 800 Um... Let me say hello to Igor in New Jersey. Hello, Igor. Greetings, Frank. Hey, Frank, when I was listening to you uh, interviewing Carol Alt, uh, one of the questions that popped into my head is, how the heck did you end up meeting her and getting to know her? Well, I met her through, I think, Joe Piscopo. We, I, I had her, I booked her as a guest on uh, Joe Piscopo's show, and she, um, she came as it when I was producing Joe's show, and she came as a guest in studio, and she was just incredibly friendly. She hung out with us pretty much the whole morning, and we had a lot of great conversations off air, and uh, she was involved in some things that I was involved with as well. We both had a lot of the same interests, and she just was a, a really terrific person. I was really impressed at. Uh, uh, not only how bright she was, but w- how kind she was and what a great energy she had. Uh, when Joe was off and I was producing his show, I got the opportunity to co-host his show uh, with her a couple of times. And we uh, developed a great rapport. And uh, and yeah, but yeah, initially it was, I got to give Joe Piscopo the, the credit for that one is through producing Joe Piscopo's uh, show. And I'm really grateful to Joe for that. I met a lot of great people through Joe Piscopo's show, not just uh, Carol Alt, but uh, a host of others. You know, it's funny. You know, while I'm biking, I'm re-watching the Star Trek The Next Generation series, and the episode that I watched last night was the episode with Joe Piscopo, the outrageous Akona. And I have to tell you, Joe is phenomenal. It's a season two episode. He plays a hologram that's a comedian. They just call him the comic. He's great. He's, he's absolutely perfect in that role. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Ed is in Westchester. Hi, Ed. Hey, Frank. I have an interesting question about radio talk show hosts that call competitive radio talk shows. And let me explain. So often you'll hear hosts go on other people's radio stations and and they're welcome and they'll talk and they'll have have a good conversation. And then at the end of of the conversation, they'll say, and this is so-and-so and he or she appears on this station from this time to this time. So my question to you is, isn't that kind of a conflict of interest? And does the owner of the radio station kind of cringe? Because if you really like what they're saying, then you might actually go and listen to that radio station at, for that talk show. Host. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I go through that a little bit because we have Brian Kilmeade on this show regularly, and he is not carried on all the markets that I'm carried in. So in some stations uh, that, that carry this program, they some owners have gotten a little irked at me for having Kilmeade on because he's on other stations stations in that market. No one has ever told me to stop. You know, as far as local shows go, I could see there being a little bit less tolerance for that. Like if I'm a local New York host and another local New York host is calling into that show and the uh, the host of the program gives basically a commercial for the other person's show on a competing station, I could see management having a, a big problem with that. Two things though. One, sometimes you know, there's getting to be fewer and fewer people that you could work for. Sometimes you could find two different stations owned by the same company. For instance,
instance, in uh, the New York area, you have two all-news stations that used to be competitors, 1010 Wins and WCBS. They're owned by the same company. So nobody uh, can ever get upset at Wins that they're promoting somebody that might be an air talent at WCBS. Additionally, because most radio stations are more and more anyway— are owned not by people like John Katsimatidis or uh, people like uh, Todd Starnes at uh, at KWAM in in Memphis. More and more stations are owned by corporations. There's not necessarily a person behind the scenes to get upset. You're basically placating an anonymous group of shareholders and boards of directors. So I, I think maybe it's a little bit less of an issue than when these were all family-run radio stations. There's fewer and fewer of these family-run radio stations these days. Lastly, because of how media is consumed these days, where if you miss this program in the old days, if you missed it, you just missed it. Now, if you miss it, you can go back and listen to the podcast. Because of the way that media is consumed these days, not just radio, but television and movies, newspapers, certainly, you can really go back and catch everything, even programs that are directly competing with one another. You know, back in the uh, the prime time of the late night talk show wars, where you had Jay Leno and David Letterman hating one another, really more Letterman towards Leno, but both of those guys doing whatever they could to get an edge over the other guy to compete with one another, it would have been unheard of for them to go on one another's shows. These days, things have come so full circle that during the writer's strike, Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Fallon, and uh, Jimmy Kimmel, three guys that are all competing with one another, they actually launched a podcast Together, all three of them. That would have been unheard of years ago. Uh, Just recently on Howard Stern's birthday, Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel came to Howard Stern's house and surprised him and did a a surprise show for him together, going on the show together. That never would have happened in the era of, um, you know, of Jay Leno versus David Letterman. So I think we're in a new era in terms of media partly because of station ownership and partly because of how media is consumed. That being said, I think I can understand why if you're a big station, you wouldn't have you wouldn't want to promote somebody on a little station that's calling your your show. Um, it's a good it's a good point though and a great question. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Um, Gary is in Inwood. Hi Gary. Good morning, Frank. If you had the chance and you were financially backed of the world's great current mysteries to go on an expedition, where would you go? To go on an expedition? Excuse me, from cryptozoology, Amelia Earhart, lost treasure, whatever. Well, I I mean, I like those lost treasure, those treasure hunts. That's kind of fun. I'm really intrigued about the uh, the Loch Ness monster, and I would love to uh, take a you trip. No, I am. I'd love to take a trip to Scotland and Loch Ness and hang out there a bit and go out onto the loch and uh, and see what you could observe. And even if I couldn't observe anything, it would be fun to talk with the locals and ask them questions about what they've seen and heard over the years. So if I'm which I do every one, year, yeah. Well, I think that's cool. I really envy you, Gary. Maybe one year we'll go to. Together. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Gary. 800-848-9222. Hey, speaking of um, mysteries, one of the great mysteries that's really over a century old is what happened to the Lindbergh baby. Well, a retired judge thinks she has the answer. 
That's the 20-month-old, not quite a century, almost a century. The 20-month-old son of the famous aviator Charles Lindbergh just was kidnapped and ultimately died. We're going to get into a very interesting theory with Lee's Perlman on this front a little bit later. 800-848-9222, Margie is in the Catskills. Hi, Margie. Hi. I have uh, two examples and then the question. One of them is in school clapping erasers. The other one is shooting each other with our cap guns. And the question is, what sights and sounds from your childhood will kids today never experience? Mm. I don't know. You know, I remember when I would get um, detention when I was in junior high school and I'd have to stay afterwards. I would have to scrape the gum off of all of the cafeteria tables. And uh, I don't know that they make kids do that today. So that's one area where I think, at least not in the seventh or eighth grade, I don't see today's seventh and eighth graders, at least not in my area, scraping the gum off those uh, cafeteria tables. And then, uh, beyond that, look, I think I think the uh, I don't know that I hear about children really playing with um, uh, with silly putty anymore. Maybe it's because my son is not uh, of that age yet. But I, I, you know, we have other children on our block, and I see them playing on their tablets. I see them playing outside. I see them playing sports. I don't see any of them playing with Silly Putty. And to me, that was a real fun thing to go to the comics page in the Sunday paper or any newspaper and take that Silly Putty and get an imprint of the comic on the Silly Putty. These days, I don't think children read comics in the newspapers, number one. And number two, if they do, I certainly don't see them imprinting the image of a comic on their Silly Putty. We'll continue with your questions in just a minute. In a minute, 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. We're doing uh, Ask Frank Anything. I was negligent in mentioning this earlier. But whomever comes up with the best question this hour, and you've got 13 minutes left for it to be you, will get a prize. Uh, something from the other side of Midnight Store that I am sure you will really treasure. 800-848-9222. David in the Boogie Down Bronx. What's your question, David? Yes, good morning. All right, my question is, if your head is frozen, as you uh, keep talking about, and it's defaulted in about 1,500 years. Will you um, start dating again? How soon? And will you tell women that you were married in the past? Well, um, 
it would depend on what decision my wife made about her end-of-life planning. But so far, my wife has not shown any interest in uh, being frozen. Uh, she has indicated that uh, she's very interested in human composting, and she would like to be have her remains, you know, once she wants to donate everything that she can and then be uh, turned into compost and then uh, a nice tree that we'll put in the backyard. So assuming she's not with me on the, on the frozen head train, then uh, yes, I would consider myself a widower. I don't know how long um, would be appropriate to uh, before I would start dating again. I guess it would depend on um, one, if my wife predeceased me, maybe I would have some um, mourning that I would get done before I'm frozen and maybe there'd be some stuff going on there. I kind of, I'd have to play it by ear. I, I think that would have to be one of those situations that you can't necessarily say, oh, it's going to be six months, eight months, six years, eight years. I think you have to kind of wait and see. And yes, absolutely, once I did start dating again, I would absolutely tell folks that I was uh, that I was married pre-being frozen. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, David. Great question. David always comes up with a creative question. 800-848-9222. George, what's your question? Hi there. Listen, Frank, yes. if President Biden is holding Iran responsible for the death of the three U.S. service personnel in Jordan because Iranian-made weapons were used, right? Is Israel responsible for the deaths and expulsion of thousands of Christians in the Caucasus because Israeli-supplied uh, military advisors and weapons are being used by Azerbaijan? Also, the United States supplying arms throughout the world should there be a responsible? Uh, should they uh, be held responsible for millions of deaths around the world due um, to American supplied so, weapons? So you know, I'm thank not. Uh, thank you, George. I'm not that up on the Azerbaijan situation and what role Israel has played there. So uh, I, uh, you know, I think my knowledge of foreign policy is is decent. I think it's better than the average American, but I'm not up on that. So I'm going to refrain from commenting on that. But yes, I think, uh, first of all, I, I think the logic that the Biden administration is using is is very interesting regarding this January 28th attack. We send troops to the Middle East. Shockingly, these troops get attacked because they're in countries and in places where the countries hosting us don't want us there. And we're shocked. And we say, oh, hey, how dare you? Uh, how dare you not like that we're invading your country? You killed our guys. We're going to kill you twice as much now. I mean, to me, it's a whole faulty premise. And then the spokesperson for the Pentagon couldn't even definitively say that it was Iran the other day. The Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, who uh, we now um, who apologized for his secret hospital stay, he was talking about what role or what culpability Iran had in the attack on U.S. troops. And what Iran knew about the attack in Jordan or how operationally it was involved? Um, you know, we believe that this was uh, done by an element of what is known as the uh, axis of resistance. Axis uh, of resistance. And uh, these are Iranian proxy groups. Uh, and how much Iran knew or didn't know, we, we don't know. But it really doesn't matter because Iran sponsors these groups. It funds these groups. Uh, and uh, in some cases, it, uh, it trains these groups on uh, advanced conventional some weapons. Cases. Now, it is an interesting clip, but we're short on time, and I want to try and get some other questions. But think of what he's saying. He's saying, we don't even know how much Iran knew, but it doesn't matter. 
Now, to me, especially given the fact that this our government has lied to us about warrantless wiretapping, about uh, metadata, about the revolutions from both Julian Assange and Edward Snowden, and not to mention the intelligence failures that led us to into the uh, Iraq war, and how well both Afghanistan and Iraq were going, I don't trust the government to be telling us the truth about this. Uh, but yes, I think for the same principles, for the same reasons that Lloyd Austin is saying, that even if Iran didn't even know about these attacks, that Iran is responsible. Yeah, every time a uh, a Yemeni child or woman or civilian gets killed with a bomb on it that says made in the USA, yes, you're damn right the United States is responsible. And I'm tired of m- me paying to kill innocent women and children in places like Yemen. That's why my bar for getting involved in military conflicts abroad is very, very high, particularly without congressional approval. 800-848-9222, Bob is in Manorville. Hi, Bob. Hey, Frank. Um, this is a, a little bit of a lighter question. Um, do you think the uh, like the NFL and the MLB should mandate uh, dome stadiums or or stadiums at least with retractable roofs this day and age. I mean, the stadiums could be used for so many other events, like, you know, a baseball stadium, like, say, Yankee Stadium, or, like, through the winter time, they could have, like, you know, monster truck shows and whatnot. And, 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 and it's, if it's the money, how could a small market team like the Minnesota Vikings afford a dome stadium where there isn't a dome stadium at uh, MetLife Stadium where two teams play? You know, right. I, I don't. For your yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, I think for starters, it was um, a mistake to not have the Buffalo Bills new stadium have a dome because of all the inclement weather, including snow, that takes place up there. I think that was a a huge, huge mistake. I am not going to go so far to actually say that it should be mandated for every team because a lot of teams, you know, um, I don't know that the expense would be worth it. And so, no, I'm not going to say it should be mandated. I'm sorry. 800-848-9222. I see what you're saying, but, uh, but no, I don't, I don't see it that way at all. Joaquin in Pennsylvania, what's your question? Oh, Frank, buddy. Okay. I was going to go one of three ways. I have this parody I wrote. Take a load off Danny, but something else. All right, just ask your question, Joaquin, just because I want to get to yeah, some I'll, other thoughts. Right, my question is this. I have to wonder now, Frank, I thought that at first you were a young guy because you have a two-year-old. You know, I thought you were kind of a little bit of a wise-ass, smart-ass. But now as I listen to you more and more, and I hear you talking about certain things, I'm starting to wonder, is Frank like Tony Randall? Do you know who Tony Randall is? Of course, yeah, I know who Tony Randall is. I didn't know, I didn't know him personally, but of course I know who Tony Randall was. Oh, okay, because uh, he, he had a child, I believe, in his late 70s, possibly early 80s. Uh, hey, so, Joaquin, did you have a question? Just because I want to try and get a few That's other folks question. in here. The question is, are you like Tony Randall? Am I like Tony Randall? I don't think so. You know, obviously I know Tony Randall best from uh, The Odd Couple, and certainly I got the impression that Tony Randall was very similar to the character he played on The Odd Couple. Maybe that's just my perception. But no, I would not say that I'm like Tony Randall uh, <laughs> at all. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Eddie is in Nassau. What's your question, Eddie? 
Yes, good morning, Frank. One quick question for the New York Mystery News. I understand at the top of the hour, de Blasio is trying to slither himself back into the news. Will they ever ask him that direct question? Whatever happened to the billion dollars, Billy? What, are you talking about Thrive NYC? Uh, no, de Blasio. Yeah. The and, mayor. Right, and, are they right. going to ask him what happened to that billion dollars? Right. He and his, are, are you you're talking about Thrive NYC? Uh, it's that, is that where the money went? Well, what, what, what billion dollars? The billion dollars for the help and the homeless and yeah. the indigent no, people no, no. out. Yeah, I think you're talking about Thrive NYC. You know, this is one of those things that's misunderstood. Now, I am critical of Bill de Blasio. I'd never vote for, would never vote for him for anything. But it, people are somehow under the impression that Bill de Blasio and uh, his ex-wife stuck this money in their pocket. That's not what happened. The, the problem with how the Thrive NYC money, uh, how it was spent, it was not that it disappeared. It was that it was spent very poorly. It was wasted. And there were no real metrics to track how effective that money was used. For instance, it was $100 million or something along those lines used for diversion centers to treat the mentally ill. Now, the money went to the diversion centers uh, instead of sending them to jail. But those centers have been barely used, according to uh, a report from the local news organization, The City. So the problem is not that they stole it or that it disappeared. The problem was accountability of how effective this money was. So it's not as if they stuck it in their pocket. Another $51 million went to a facility in East Harlem that opened in November of 2020. The money went there. The facility opened. But there were only 45 people in the first you know, few months that it was open that were ever brought in for help. So you know that was about $1.1 million per visit. The problem was that it was spent foolishly. It's not that it disappeared. We know where the money went. Um, you know, it, it could have been spent much better. 800-848-9222. Bill is on Long Island. What's your question, Bill? Uh, how you do, sir? Uh, I work for the Board of Elections. Uh, we come in uh, on a voting day. We run the tabloids. At the beginning of the day, we run a tally on every machine, and at the end of the Bill, day, Bill, I got about run, thirty seconds left here. If you can get your question out right away, please. Uh, we run a tally at the end of the day, but the tally doesn't tell tell us how much, how many voted Republican, how many reported reported uh, voted uh, Democrat, uh, and or independent or whatever. But why don't they tell the inspectors right there on the spot so we can report it publicly? Yeah, thanks, Bill. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how it works in Long Island, but in New York City, they've actually come light years. Uh, the There's real-time reporting as soon as the polls close, and it's all on a flash drive. It goes well. Best question, Matt Blaze. Ed in Westchester. And what was his question? question was, Tony, what was the question? We don't know what the question was, but Ed, call back and we'll um, find out. Conflict with a radio host. Oh, 